ಪ್ರಾಂಜಲಿರಾನತೋಸ್ಮಿ so in the last class we were studying the 20 we ended with our discussion on the 24th sutra of the fourth chapter of patanjali yoga sutra so what's that sutra is vishesha darshina atma bhava bhavana nivritti so here it speaks of religion as realization that religion doesn't lie in doctrine and dogma it even doesn't lie on mental contemplation all the contemplations with all the ideas that i am the conscious principle is not the ultimate goal of yoga this contemplation is a way it's not the ultimate goal many may think that just by contemplating on myself at the beginning it's something uh, which is uh, not a flow as i am not habituated the distractions come and breaks my contemplation so i find that sometimes most probably i am getting identified with the phenomenal existence sometimes i come out and i can just have a uh flow in my mind of the thought that i am the atman i am the brahman and through gradual practice it may so happen that the distractions fall off and my mind becomes one pointed constantly contemplating on my real nature and there that's the be all and end all of spiritual journey many may think that way so here the yoga sutra is clearly indicating that even the thought that i am the atman that also has to be transcended you have to go beyond the mind so that you realize what you are contemplating on so that's the sutra saying vishesha darshina that those who have seen it as it is vishesha this there are two types of darshana one is samanya and another is vishesha what is samanya that wherever there is smoke there is fire so smoke is the samanya darshana why that previously i have experienced that wherever there is smoke there is fire but most probably sometimes you know that as we were giving that example in the last class that at the time of forest fire most probably from a distance in some mountains there is a forest fire you don't see the fire but you see the smoke in the sky from that you infer that most probably there is a forest fire so this is samanya darshana you are not seeing the fire 
But seeing the smoke, you infer that there is fire. But sometimes it may go wrong because there may be smoke for some other reason. Even if you find that where, where, there, where there is extreme pollution, the sky appears to be quite like this foggy. It appears that as if there's a lot of smoke. It has nothing to do with fire. So I may be wrong in my conclusion. So inference is not the ultimate knowledge. Ultimate knowledge is pratyaksha. So here also the at last I have to go beyond the mind to realize my real nature. And that is possible. That's assertion we find in this sutra. Visheshadarshiva. The one who has as if realized his real nature as a conscious principle. For him, Atma Bhava Bhavana Nivritti. That is constant flow of the thought that I am the Atman. That ceases. Nivritti means cessation of that. So this is the sutra with which we ended our discussion in the last class. So here, Yoga Sutra is taking us to that level of realization where all the thoughts ceases. You go beyond the mind. And as if to have the realization of the truth face to face. And you may say, how is it possible? Yes, as we were indicating again and again, that what's my contemplation is any spiritual journey throughout the world, any faith, Ultimately, what's our spiritual contemplation? Whatever idea of divinity we may have. Is there anything common in our contemplation? Everyone, in whatever form, whatever may be the mythologies, whatever may be the uh, way of understanding the truth, can anyone say that this life is the be-all and end-all of existence, which any of the religion, any of the faith professors? No. Any faith, any religion, whatever may be the structure of thought, the basic idea is, I am the spirit. Now that spirit, maybe it's that there is something called the God. He's also spirit. Advaita Vedanta may differ. They may say that I am God. I am that absolute reality. And any the dualistic religion will say, no, I am not that God. I can never be one with God. God is the spirit. But that does it that but does it deny my existence as the spirit? No. So that is the difference between Advaita and the Dvaita. That Advaita says that, yeah, that ultimately you are the spirit and that is one with the absolute reality. And Dvaita may say no, that you are conscious principle, but of course, God is something which is eternally separate from you. But is there any religion which negates the idea that you are spirit? That your physical existence is the be-all and end-all of your existence? Not a single religion. Is there any religion which says that you are not the conscious principle? That the, that the soul is the be, that is your real, is the core of your existence? No. So all the religious practice, what it leads to at last, the negation of the idea of your limited personality any practice. And this practice, when it enters into a state of flow, 
my mind has uh, the distractions has fallen off it is now in a state of flow this thought in whatever thought process or whatever form it may be this thought that i am the spirit which is beyond this physical existence that is not annihilated this physical existence may fall off even as uh, in the hindus may believe in transmigration the abrahamic religion say we don't believe in transmigration we believe in heaven or hell after that the death you go but can we deny that you are the spirit it is a spirit that is going to the heaven or hell so everywhere we will find that there are a lot of differences but the common thing is everyone believes that you are the spirit so all the religious practices at last negates this limited individuality in all the practices is there any religion which doesn't speak of unselfishness doesn't speak of empathy any form of empathy any type of unselfishness speaks of killing this little self and finding that self expression in all to as if pervade it in the entire existence whether it is our uh, philanthropic activities or its or meditation it's all at last made ends up in the negation of this limited individuality so as a result what happens if we are really intense in our practice the the moment this you can really negate this limited i what immediately what will happen as we have indicated again and again all the mental modules even in modern science we speak of that mind is not one mind there are innumerable mental modules all those modules are tagged up tied up to this limited sense of individuality this limited sense of individuality in moment it falls off just like the hub of the will it falls off the entire will is bound to collapse if i am just trying to get rid of this each and every spikes even if you get rid of one spike the other spikes are there the other spikes are there to keep the will intact so it is not by getting rid of desires one by one but by getting rid of the hub the sense of i and when it happens immediately takes you to that beyond this limited sense of i it falls off and that's the time when it takes you to that ultimate realization suddenly you find that your amnes is still there but it is no more local it is no more localized only on psychophysical existence that amnes is something which is beyond time space causation and it is something which is palpably realized the mystics of all the religion certifies to this fact they all go to the state which is eternal now eternal present there is no past present future it is as it is the moment it comes in association with the mind then the projection comes into being so here this sutra is indicating that when your atma bhava bhavana in any form it may be that i am the self even in the bible the same thing has been told worship the spirit by the spirit the moment you worship the spirit by the spirit you negate your limited existence and when you really are intense in your practice that can lead to the annihilation of this limited sense of idea of your identity this limited sense of identity is 
as long as it is there we are hooked up with our mind with our chitta the moment the eye falls off the you are as if beyond the purview of mind but you are that's the thing is very difficult to understand from the present state of existence because we can never think anything beyond our mind and senses but all the mystics of all the religion of all the faith asserts to that fact that there is a state where you can go beyond this purview of mind and senses where still you have the sensation of amness to give an idea that what is the difference at present if i close all my senses i am kept in a room which is totally soundproof my eyes are closed all the senses are stopped immediately one thing will happen if we have never practiced you will find that the, these external indriyas are no, not indriyas the real indriyas are in the mind they constantly need to be fed there are so many scientific experiments even in the modern age scientific experiments that if you are kept in isolation where there is no light no sound it just takes 15 minutes not more than that you will start hallucinating because those senses are not the eyes are not here it is in the mind when you close your eyes all the indriyas have been stopped as if forcibly you are bound to means however strong you may be if you have not progressed spiritually the senses are constantly net there's need to be fed you start hallucinating if by spiritual practice i have stopped to them to certain extent i have stopped them or just take that hallucination is going on 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 based on what that hallucinations are going on based on that i that i am seeing i am sitting in this secluded room and seeing all those thing and hearing not only the vision hallucinates even you start hearing uh, your your this what you say the ears also as if starts hearing so many things these are all part of hallucination it needs just 15 minutes there are such chambers in modern science they have developed in the laboratory such chambers where no light means total darkness will be there and no sound can enter it just takes 15 minutes to hallucinate but all those hallucinations are the production of the mind and which is all hooked to this ego for a spiritual person who through assiduous practices went to that state where mind is just thinking of his uh, what you say that himself as the atman the conscious principle then what happens then when the ego falls off then all the indriyas which are in the mind this gets deactivated and then what happens that amness at present which i find is centered here centered in my body mind complex that is local that amness suddenly has got non local so two things happen when you go to that realization one is the sense stops functioning all the stands steps even you cannot you won't hallucinate because the real senses sensations are in the mind so all the functioning of the indriyas falls off and that amness becomes non local these are the two things is something which is a first hand experiments experience 
those who come back from that experience they never say it was an imagination it was a palpable experience which they have experienced but which they cannot explain even in the modern uh, psychology those who deal with that subject they have a term for it that everyone says that it is neotic neotic means that it is a palpable uh, perception but it cannot be explained you know that you have experienced something it was not mere hallucination or it was not mere imagination it is just like the way i see a red rose it i have i have perceived something but at the same time i cannot explain it so it is something neotic that's the term which they use so that's the experience when you go there and come back and then you will find that what has happened that as long as you were in that state when you come back again the mind because of its old habitual state will start thinking of god or thinking of atman as was your practice you again start but you realize for some time the mind stopped that's the state called savikalpa uh, savija nirvikalpa samadhi savija asampragyata samadhi not nirvikalpa is in vedanta in yoga it is called savija asampragyata samadhi why it is savija seeds seeds are still remaining that you though you have went to that state for once again you will come back but you cannot go back to the ordinary life of sensate pleasures you remain in that god consciousness you go come to that god consciousness now and then you go to that state where everything falls off all the creation falls off you are just as if in the floating in that amnes again you come back you see the world but the world is now totally transfigured transformed you see it as the projection of your spiritual uh, entity that is being being projected as the world through the mind just the way the light white light passing through the prism gets projected as a spectrum the enter phenomenal existence appear as a spectrum when the mind comes into picture beyond the mind you are that spirit and it is something a very first hand experience so when that happens when you are in that experience the thoughts has fallen off the thoughts takes you there but when you are there the thoughts are no more there so that's the idea of realization that's why swami ji again and again is to stress that religion is realization it is not mere in the doctrines and dogmas so that's the idea which has been spoken of in the 24th sutra vishesha darshana atma bhava bhavana nivritti the one who has realized the purusha that is the vishesha darshana the one who has realized for him the perception of the mind as purusha when i am saying i am atman i am atman it is the mind who is saying so this constant contemplation with the mind of the atman that ceases nivritti so that's the sutra which we uh, which uh, with which we ended our class last class so now let's go to the next sutra the 25th sutra tada viveka nimnam kaivalya prak bharam chittam it's a very interesting sutra once you go to that state and you come back but now what happens when you once go to that realization of that uh non local amnes where on the when enter phenomenon has fallen off then what happens 
So you have went to that state, but the vija of contemplation is still there. The seeds of contemplation is saturating your subconscious mind. So you come back. So so that then then when once you have went to that savija asampragyata samadhi, says tada, when you have attained that. Now the mind's spontaneous inclination is towards the discriminative knowledge. It comes back again, it starts staying in that discriminative knowledge. Tada viveka nimna. So it is coming back and again getting uh, getting uh, habituated in that contemplative knowledge. It cannot go beyond that. And this, it naturally gravitates pragbharam towards the state of kaivalya. What will happen now? To understand this sutra, let us take the states of mind. Our ordinary state you take, what it is? It is distraction, sarvartha. So many thoughts are there. Constantly getting distracted, jumping from one thought to one another thought. So this mind, by gradual practice, what I can do? This sarvarthata can become ekagra. One thought. It's not easy. It takes a lot of time. Today, by a lot of practice, maybe I was practicing for a few months, and suddenly one day I experience that my mind has calmed down. It is focused. It's not getting distracted. It is in one thought. But you cannot continue there for long because the subconscious mind is still filled with the distraction. You find after some time, again, the distractions comes back. Again, you get distracted. Now, if you go on practicing, what will happen? This ekavritti, the state of ekagrata, will uh, start uh, getting uh, more and more power. It will be prevailing your state of existence more and more. And the distracted state will be getting attenuated more and more. Why? Because your mind is getting purified. As that example, which we gave again and again, that a cup is full of turgid contents. Now, as it is full to the brim, if I pour pure water in that cup, as it is full to the brim, it is bound to spill off. But as it spills off, and as I'm pouring pure water, the turgidity is getting diluted. It is spilling off, it is getting diluted. Water is becoming more and more clear. A time will come, all the turgidity has been, has been washed away. The cup is full of pure water. So that's what happened. The distractions gradually fall off. The subconscious mind, the distractions are getting cleared off. And the mind is getting more and more saturated with this ekagra vritti. So a time will come, my mind is now ekagra. Now when that happens, what has happened? You have now totally, what this, you have removed the hub. This hammered the hub out by the, when the mind has become so concentrated, it is thinking of the self. You have negated that, negated that limited sense of I now. So now and then what will happen? You will go beyond the mind. So previously it was the, it was, uh, the mind was like a pendulum moving from Sarvarthata to Ekagrata. Now it was distracted. Now it was concentrated. Now the next state, what will happen? It is concentrated now and then it is going to the state of thoughtlessness, nirodha. But now when it comes back, the mind is full of ekagravritti. It comes back to that state. Now the swinging of the pendulum is between these two states, ekagrata and nirodha. And as it goes on, here also the same thing happens. 
the more and more you go to that nirodha state that now saturates your mind you would like to stay in that thoughtless state beyond the mind that is saturating ekagra state that will be diminishing a time will come this ekagra even this ekagra uh, chitta this uh, this one thought that will be totally cleansed off to take you to that state of nirodha where you can stay as long as you want because ekagravritti is no more there to break your the, the state of thoughtlessness you can stay in that state totally identified with yourself as long as you want at present even if i go to the state of savija asampragya the nirodha state for the first time i will be forced to uh, i will be forced to come down to the state of ekagrata that's what has been a, that state is again and again explained in all the dualistic religion as ami chini hote china i don't want to be sugar i want to taste the sugar because it is not actually uh, it is their wish they are bound they are brought down to the state of contemplation though they go to that state they again come back now here the question of choice comes there are some who want really want to be in this state so they won't prefer to go to that state even if they go they forcefully bring the mind down and want to be state in want to remain in the state of you and me where you is god and me is the atman you is not any other relation is god they want to stay in that state and enjoy the bliss but there are few who would be attempting to saturate the mind with a state of thoughtlessness to as if merge in the absolute so here it has been indicated that that once you go to that state now the mind will be gravitating to that state of thoughtlessness more and more your mind will be prone to that state of thoughtlessness more and more till the time comes when your mind is at the beginning it was cleansed from distraction now it will be cleansed from that ekavritti that one thought of your self the contemplation of the self that also will be washed off gradually to make the asampragyata samadhi nirvija as long as even a trace of the thought that i am the atman remains still the seed is alive when it has been washed away totally it becomes nirvija you have burned out all the kleshas all the thoughts and and whenever the thought is there it has to be linked with some sort of desire even the contemplation speaks of desire that my desire to love god even that has been burnt off has fallen off then you become one with your self you get identified with yourself so once you go to the state of this asampragya the thoughtlessness once this will now like gravitation it will be pulling you more and more to the state of thoughtlessness till you merge in that absolute so that's what the sutra is indicating tada viveka nimnam once you go to that state you come to the state of viveka now it will constantly again and again take you to the state of th- uh, what is the thoughtlessness as till you attain kaivalya kaivalya is a state where you don't come back to the state of thought again you continue to remain in that state as as long as you want so that's the state of kaivalya 
where you alone exist as the conscious principle by your own right. You don't need the crutch of the nature in the form of mind and senses for uh, substantiating your identity. There's no need for that. It has fallen off. So that's what has been indicated in the 25th Sutra. So now we will go to the next, the 26th Sutra. Tat Chidreshu Pratyaya Antarani Samskarebhya. It's a very interesting Sutra that we have spoken of. Their mind has been cleansed off of all the distractions and it has become one pointed. But don't be that sure. Even if your mind has become one pointed, there are chances a few weeds in the form of desires are still remaining. Just as it happens when I go to the Bunnings or any store to buy seeds and it is ensured that 100% are seeds, there are no weeds. And when we come and plant and suddenly we find that in spite of all the assurances, there are a few weeds. If I'm not careful, if I don't prune them, just remove them immediately, they will spread again. And I will find that the seeds has been overpowered by the weeds. So even when I am almost sure that it is 100% pure, know it for certain, chances are there, the traces of one or two desires may be there. And that's the time we should be very, very careful. Not take it very casually, that this one or two desires which are remaining, after all, the general trend of mind is to contemplate. I, uh, this one or two desires are not going to harm me. It is the thing which at last has the capacity again to overwhelm you. There are so many stories. You will find that a story of that luxury or the desires creeping in. You have many have heard that story, the story of the camel. In the desert, the daytime is very hot, but the, sun, uh, the sand will be uh, releasing the heat very quickly. So at night, it becomes extremely cold. So in the desert, daytime may be the extreme heat, at night may be shivering cold. So at night, a person with his camel, he has he was just uh, the, uh, with his camel was resting inside in in a desert and at night to protect himself from the harsh weather of the, the extreme cold he has somehow uh, uh, erected a uh, what is a tent he has erected a tent and he was quite cozy within the tent he has lit some fire and he was cozy and then suddenly he saw the camel outside somehow managed to uh, peep its head, poke its head inside the tent and it asked its master, outside it is so cold, can I keep my head inside? The master says, okay. And then gradually it starts uh, protruding inside the tent more and more. Just a little more, can I stay inside? The master thought of, of course, it's, it's harmless. After all, my camel is feeling very cold. At last, it so happened that the camel entered into the tent and kicked off his master outside. So this story actually speaks of the state of our mind. There's another very interesting story in our scriptures that is called, even in the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna, Sri Ramakrishna is uh, relating this parable. 
this parable is called kopin kavaste very interesting that a renunciate a monk has renounced everything and he was always busy in his he was deep in his contemplation but now he had a problem what's the problem that he was renunciate he he, he even didn't have uh, these all uh, clothes just the loin cloth he had the two sets of loin cloth one he used to wear and the another he will wash the next day again the one he has washed previous day that he will wear he will wash the one which is wearing now so now when he used to uh, just uh, hang the loin cloth for drying up the washed loin cloth for drying up he found now and then the rats are coming and just uh, tearing off that loin cloth is feeding on that loin cloth it is getting torn so now of course uh, in the village the villagers felt that just to give a loin cloth to the renunciate monk is nothing just to give a small piece of cloth so whenever he used to get torn he used to beg for it the villager used to provide him so the rat was the annoying factor now for this monk so he thought to get rid of the rat let me have it is the villagers only who suggested why not you have a cat so they provided him with a cat he found that that's a good idea that to get rid of the rat why not have a cat so he had a cat now so now his concern was the cat has to be fed so he needed milk the cat has to be fed with milk so the villagers told you need not worry we will provide you with a cow so a cow was provided so now he needed straw to feed the cow so now he had to get straw so the villagers gave him a small piece of land so where he can cultivate uh, the livestock for this uh, for this for this cow the food the fodder whatever is required he can cultivate there so he started cultivating now he found it's very difficult to cultivate the land by his own so he hired some laborer so he had to build a barn to store a barn to uh, to uh, store the crops and now every this things became so means all the things became so complex he couldn't manage by his by himself so at last he married and had a wife to assist him in his household work so everything happened with just for a loin cloth so that's the story goes sri ramakrishna very nicely is in uh, relating this story in the gospel in one of the places so that what have is what is been spoken of in this sutra tat chidreshu there may be a little lapse in the discriminative knowledge though your mind has become a, like a flow maybe there's a little lapse now and then from this little that's what will happen this arise other fluctuations of mind pratyaya antarani antarani means that is going to disruptive pratyaya means thoughts those other thoughts which are disruptive to your discriminative knowledge though it's something very very insignificant it may arise because of the residual latent impressions like weeds somehow it has one or two weeds have entered into the pack bag of seeds that is samskara all the residual samskara which you have of in that this few have somehow entered so then if it is there then what will happen again it can draw you it can just draw you down that little that little lapse from that 
again you will find that so many desires just as we told that kaupin ka vaste one desire leading to the other again it may cloud your mind and at last you may find that you are again totally entangled your spiritual practice is gone so that's why we have to be very careful as in english we say that the price of purity is vigilance you have to be extremely vigilant if there is a real a little thought for the some simple pleasures of life don't uh, domesticate it just be tormented by it this tormentation of a spiritual soul is a sign is a good sign just to ignore that and be happy make because maybe the cause of your downfall again so that's why in the 27th sutra what they are saying hanam esham kleshavat uktam as at the as a novice the way you were very very particular about the small desires that time you were exerting yourself that whatever desires which have already manifested let me take care of them as we told that in spiritual journey like any other like relief work we have short term relief and there is a long term relief what is the short term relief that when there is a flood we go that the people who are being affected you immediately provide food you take them and give some shelter but if as it is a flood prone area you have to think of some long term measures that every year the same flood will be there and we cannot just think that every year we will go with the relief they have to have some disaster management what's that we go and for the long term effect we build houses on pillars where the ground floor there is no place for staying it's only the pillars they uh, the the first floor is actually the floor where they are staying it's just not the ground floor uh so like that in the school there is a big hall in the say, second floor or in the first floor where if needed the villagers come and have shelter if there is a flood the bore wells in the village which they have is on the raised platform so that when the flood is there they still have access to the fresh water because if the bore well gets uh drowned in the water they cannot have access to the fresh water so it is in an upraised platform so all these measures speaks of long term effect so in spiritual journey also there are two things short term and long term the desires which are i'm uh, which are already disturbing me they have manifested i'm obsessed by them of course as a short term measure i have to use my will power to get rid of them because unless i get rid of them i can never think of calming down my mind so this is the short term goal to get rid of the desires which are tormenting which are already manifested but there are so many desires lurking in my mind which are not manifested if they get favorable circumstances they may manifest now how to get rid of them for them that the long term practice i am the atman i am not the body i am not the mind i am not the senses i am the pure atman this thought will be hammering the ego if that is done that is a long term effect that once that is done now nothing can affect you so the two things the short term i have to with my will power i have to get take care of my immediate manifested desires and for the long term i have to go on contemplating so self effort to control yourself that will power is also required and contemplation is also required both has to go hand in hand so here what they are saying 
that now when you have become habituated in contemplation so what has happened to exert the will power is something of the past that is no more required i mean a flow but now if one or two desire sometimes little come don't forget you started your spiritual journey with both the will power and the contemplation hand in hand don't forego that will power again bring it back use it with full uh, strength with full energy to get rid of that one or two desires which though it may appear harmless now in no time it can overpower you so that's why this 27 sutra is saying hanam esham all those little weeds that somehow has uh, remained in your mind most of them are seeds 99.99% are seeds but 0.001% at weeds which are remaining once you find them use your will power the way when you have started your spiritual journey the way you were using your will power to get rid of the obsessions again be up and doing to get rid of these little weeds don't be casual about them so hanam esham kleshavat uktam as you have you have taken care of uh, eradicating the kleshas in as a novice again with the same energy try to get rid of this all the stresses of desires that are remaining so destruction hanam means to destroy so destruction of this residual latent impression all these little latent impressions which are remaining which sprout in the laps of chidra means this laps this chidra this hanam esham kleshavat uktam how that in the previous sutra they spoke of laps chidra through the lapses it may come in so which sprouts in the laps of this chidra of the viveka samskara that has to be done in the same way we adopted while eradicating the kleshas what all things we have adopted for eradicating the kleshas the second chapter if you remember started with kriya yoga the practice of kriya yoga what are the what is the kriya yoga three practices constitutes kriya yoga tapa swadhyay ishvara pranidhana we have studied it long back when we were studying this where we started the second chapter these are the practice which takes care of the kleshas what are the kleshas raga dvesha abhinivesha there are five kleshas avidya asmita followed by raga dvesha abhinivesha this raga dvesha abhinivesha attachment aversion and clinging to life or fear of death these are the three things which motivates us to all our action so these three has to be attenuated with the kriya yoga how it helps raga is attenuated with tapa that when i find there is an attachment i have to practice austerity that i if i find that i have the i am a glutton eating too much then of course i have to break that biological alarm system by resorting to measured amount of food and the duration between two food should be longer the doctors will advise the dietitian will advise me and i have to use my will power to resort to that new routine when i'm resorting to that new routine that itself speaks of tapa how at the beginning it may be very difficult but you have to exert your will and after a few days you will find it has become natural why all the this this hunger 
all this uh, hunger, thirst, need for sleep are the biological alarm system. The body in the form of hunger pangs is, is generating an alarm to say that it's time for you to take food. Because of my old habit, the body has got habituated in taking more food. So naturally it will give the alarm. If I, with my willpower, don't resort, don't fall prey of that alarm system, the alarm system becomes inactive after some time. It will fall off because it gets the feedback that, that alarm is not working. So what's the use of alarming him? So it falls off. And then you will find you can easily prolong the gap between two meals. You can reduce the food. And the more you can do that, it has a spiritual implication also. It is all these desires which is total is not allowing my mind to be at rest. So the tapa is allowing me to attenuate this raga attachment. And I find now I can contemplate for more and more time. And that's the purpose of the, uh, this fasting during religious practices. Why we fast? That yes, if once I take food, I will be feeling sleepy. I will be drowsy. That throughout the day, I have actually resolved to spend the time more in contemplation. It's not possible. So through tapa, what I'm doing, I am extending my spiritual practice. I can keep my time, uh, my mind more and more calm. The desires doesn't disturb me. And to that, for that, the tapa is there to get rid of the attachments. Now, so there are three practices, tapa, swadhyaya, ishwara pranidhana. Now let us take ishwara pranidhana. Ishwara pranidhana helps to get rid of dvesha. What is Ishwara Pranidhana? Resigning to the will of the divine. Once we resign to the will of the divine, the question of hating others doesn't come. This Ishwara Pranidhana is a special type of devotion. Yesterday when we had this earthquake, after that I was joking today that there was a uh, uh, forecast. What's the forecast? That there, there are going to be many aftershocks. And we have none, none of us have experienced any aftershock. But I was joking, I have experienced, I have experienced many aftershocks. You miss the house, Swami? How Maharaj? In the form of traumatic phone calls. What's happening that though we say we are believing in God, but that belief is what? That my belief in God should result in all favorable circumstances. God is the means, world is the end. I want to stay in the world where there are no mishaps. It's never going to be. The real resignation is something different. That this yesterday's earthquake, a devotee will take in a different way. What, what way? That, it, that I was so engrossed with this life, thinking it to be the be all and end all of existence. God, as if with the earthquake, made me remember Anything can change anytime. Everything is so unpredictable. Never forget your real identity as a spirit, as its relation with the spirit. So what happens? My constant fear, hatred, if someone is disturbing me, my hatred for that fellow, all this thing falls off because it's all the will of the God. God has willed uh, uh, that I should go through this suffering because it 
entails my spiritual illumination. I can resign more and more. I don't take all those things to be the be all and end all of my existence. And I understand more and more that this, as long as I'm in this world, everything is unpredictable. To give that example of that flood prone area, that you know that when we used to go for relief in the flood prone area, the peoples were happy. They're every time suffering from that flood, but they were happy. Why you know? Because they knew that they're poor. Those are the place where no one is supposed to uh, build any habitation. Just by the side of the river, government has told this is not the place for habitation, but these poor people have nowhere to go. They cannot purchase land. So knowing very well this is flood prone, they have built their houses there. And sometimes governments seeing that the houses have been built, they don't simply uh, run the bulldozer there because they know where these people will go. Dire poverty. So even just uh, though they know they feign as if they haven't seen. That's how the things go on there. But after all, flood will be there. When flood is there, we go with all our concern. Oh, people are suffering. We go and see the, in spite of all those things, they are all smiling. Why? Because they know they are in a place which is totally unpredictable. Flood may any come anytime. Knowingly, they are staying there. If we take our existence in this world as if we are in a flood prone area, constantly we are in a flood prone area, we take it as if very safe, it is in a secure zone. That's why all the problems happen. Then we can enjoy like those people, those poor people. Nothing can take, no one can take happiness away from them. Still they are happy. They know that if we are in the flood, someone will come, they will provide us food, the flood will go, the land will become more fertile, we will cultivate, we will have something to sustain ourselves. Because when the flood goes, the line, the sedimentation makes the line more fertile. So that's how uh, they stay there. They, they, on the, they will just cultivating that land. They will get good crops. And again, they know the flood will come, but they have earned something they can manage. So they, they, they accept the fact that we are in an unpredictable area, flood prone area. Flood will come. But for us, with millions of dollars, we have built a house and I think now it is secured. We have actually built the house in the flood prone area. Anytime the earthquake may be there. So the question of hatred, at last our hatred is towards God. When it happens, we say, oh, after so much of praying, devotion, nothing happens. At last I am getting all those things. So that is not the real Ishwar Pranidhana. Real Ishwar Pranidhana speaks of resigning to the will of the divine and convinced of the fact that everything happens by God's will. And when we are convinced of that fact, that is the real Ishwar Pranidhana, where we find Dvesha, hatred has attenuated. So just see these practices are very important. Tapa, these three practices, how it reduces the clashes in the form of attachment, hatred, and extreme clinging to life. The third practice is Swadhyaya. That is constantly to be aware of your spiritual dimension of existence. This Japa, that I am the Atman, constantly you're repeating, this is Swadhyaya. Or I am a devotee of God. God is, I am. Our relation is eternal. This world is a flow. The more you think that, the fear of death falls off automatically because you're relating more and more to the spiritual dimension. So abhinivesha, this clinging to life, that falls off. So whenever any desire comes, that little trace which is remaining, it is either you will find, find the expression as raga, dvesha, abhinivesha. 
that it at last it boils down to this three either i am attached to it because my attachment to this ego i have some attachment or that something may annihilate my limited existence for that i am having hatred or too much clinging to life that abhinivesha is there so to get rid of this three this three practice tapa ishwar paridhana swadhyaya which we started at the very beginning of our spiritual journey that has to be resorted to again till this you can get rid of the attenuate them and you can have the practice of viveka khyati uninterruptedly wherever the lapse is there go and take care of it and come back to this viveka khyati or else it may again take you back can overwhelm you that simple little desire can again in no time you will find the weed has overgrown the seeds have been totally uh, uh, dominated by the weeds it may happen any time so be very careful that even you find a little lapse just like a novice go uh, just go back to your practice and take care of those little desires at the beginning when we say in a spiritual journey all the small uh, pleasures of life are okay yes it's okay because you have now to take care of some major obsessions at a go you cannot think of getting rid of all so at the beginning of the spiritual journey just the way when a drug addict is taken to a rehabilitation center they never say that from tomorrow itself you stop the drug totally their aim is to to stop it totally but what they will do at the beginning they will allow they will themselves prescribe drug in limited amount and at uh, what is it the span the between the the two uh, intake of drug will be prolonged and the drug intake also will be reduced a time will come when the doctor will say no more so when we say that the little pleasures of life are okay yes it is okay at the beginning of the spiritual journey as a novice because you have to take care of some major some very strong obsessions which are really overwhelming you so there okay that okay let's little uh, uh transgressions are okay but when you have reached that state where you have went to that savija asampragyata samadhi come back and now you find the traces of desires are still there now you cannot say any more those innocent pleasures are okay now you have to be very assiduous you have to totally eradicate so that's why this sutra is comes here previously have they have not spoken of this much of stern measures now it is saying because you are capable to take this stern measure now you have already got read of the majority of the desires this little desires now you have the capacity just the way a drug addict at last is told that no more compromise total uh, the stop of taking drugs it comes at the last so here also the same thing has been indicated now you are at that stage you have taken care of all the major desires previously your mind naturally is in a flow of viveka khyati constantly contemplating of the divine now and then a little lapse comes now you shouldn't say that innocent pleasures okay it was quite good previously now you have to be very stern and uproot them from its very root you have to uproot them otherwise they may overwhelm you and will be the cause of your downfall
So that's the warning which has been indicated in the 27th Sutra. The 28th Sutra, we will read, we will most probably have the discussion again in the next class, the 28th Sutra, what is saying? Prasam khyane api aku silasya sarvartha viveka khyate dharma meka samadhi. So once you have taken care of your mind, so when one becomes, then what happens? Your mind is in a constant flow. That is called prasam khyana. His prasam khyana is prakrishta rupena samkhya. Samkhya means knowledge. Prakrishta rupena. Means there is no lapse at all. Then you become, uh, what you say, omniscient. Why? All the biases falls off. What restricts our knowledge? Previously we have indicated that's the story of the stump. As long as we have bias, we never see the stump as the stump. In the in the, the corner of a park, in the twilight hours, the lover who is in search of his lover, of his beloved, sees it as his beloved. A small child who is in search of the mother sees it as the mother. The mother who is in search of the child sees it as the child. Police searching the thief sees it as the thief. The thief running away from the police sees it as the police. So it is our bias which doesn't allow us to see the thing as it is. So when you have reached the state of flow, when you are thinking of only yourself, contemplating the self, all the biases has fallen off, the desires has fallen off, then only you can think of that state. So what happens, your mind you will find has become omniscient. It can even see the future. Why? The two things happen, that once when I have list that state, the bias falls off. Just as we give that example, two chess players are playing, the third one who is seeing, he can always says the correct move because the third one who is seeing, he has nothing to do with winning or losing. So the mind is totally free. It is not occupied with the anticipation that I have to win or it is not occupied with the fear I may lose. As it is free, it can see as it is. So it is omniscient. It can just say the correct move. That's one thing. And another thing, as your mind is free from all the so-called obsessions and desires, there is no immediacy of purpose. I have to do this now, I have to do that now. When that immediacy of purpose is no more there, the mind starts encompassing more and more of your past. You will find even in your day-to-day life, when you're extremely busy, with your all responsibilities. There is no question of thinking of anything else. You're so focused on the work itself. Your mind has narrowed down to that. But when you are a bit relaxed, you're just sitting and relaxing. And then you will find naturally your mind goes to the past. The retro, you start re, uh, to see the life in retrospect. When the mind can really be free of all immediacy of purpose, when the desires falls off, it starts even uh, uh, seeing the past lives also. That's what we indicated that uh, even in the present day, there is uh, there are so many courses of hypnotic. They will hypnotize you. They will take you to that state of uh, some, uh, subdue you. You become tranquil and you will start relating to the past, even past lives. Even in uh, your uh, internet, you can search. You will find there are so many practices going on. It's not all that uh, nonsense. 
it really uh, has some uh, lot of uh, studies behind it so here through spiritual practice it's not that someone else is hypnotizing me to take me to that state by your own practice when you go you can go recite to the past in the life of buddha you will find just before realization he had a vivid vision of the past lives from that the jataka stories came when that happens para vairagya ensues para is extreme renunciation because we see that so many lives we have just simply wasted thinking this world to be the be all and end all of our existence with the passage of time everything we have to leave and go the thing which we gave so importance is of no use at last so that when you see that it has was happening life after life you find that how you were just playing fool around of uh, this, uh, the losing the real goal of life to come out of this delusion so now that para vairagya comes extreme renunciation so then what happens then again this this unceasing uh, discriminative knowledge that also you want to go beyond that that is no need to stay with the mind go beyond the mind and that ends in a stage which is called dharma megha samadhi it's a very interesting term dharma megha so previously dharma was something like dew drops very slow change was happening when you reach that state where you have reached the state reached the state of flow you will find all the virtues are as if downpouring is as if downpouring because there is no uh, biases remaining to obstruct your mind uh, and the common example uh, which is, we give in the life of sri ram sri ramakrishna is to say je nachte jane tar bechale pa porena as long as you are learning to dance you have to be very cautious about each and every step whether it is falling in rhythm or not once you have learned you are teaching your students some music is playing on the background you are teaching your students you will feel a wonderful thing has happened you have become an adept you are speaking to them your most of the focus is on the words which you are speaking but your legs are automatically falling in the rhythm of the music which is playing on the background because through practice the dance has become now spontaneous you don't need to focus on the dance your leg spontaneously falls in the rhythm so when you become an adept dancer take mepe pa felte hoy na je naste jane tar bechale pa pore na there is no chance for him to have a false step it is bound to be it has become a spontaneity it is bound to be in the rhythm so that's the state of dharma mega samadhi where the goodness has become spontaneous you don't have to think what to do what not to do goodness has become something spontaneous because of that transformation of the mind where all the biases has fallen off so it is like a downpour dharma megha like the dark clouds it is dharma virtue virtue is as if downpouring there is no question of uh, resolution taking a resol- resolution that i have to use my will power to be in the path of virtue there is no more required the virtues have become spontaneous so that's what the dharma megha term means so when you have reached that flow then it happens so uh, this is the idea which we will try to understand with the help of few more examples to make it more clearer so we will continue with the 28th sutra again in the next class 
there are total 33 sutras. With this, this chapter will end. And with that, the Yoga Sutra study will end. So we are almost in the end. A few more sutras are remaining. So this is the sutra which needs a little more discussion before we proceed to the next sutras. So we will take up again in the next class from this sutra, for the 20th sutra again. So thank you all. Namaskars.